Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Your Nation Radio Podcast Network. Now, recording this around noon on Tuesday. Short week this week. Short week for both the Eagles and us con- content creators out there. Uh, so, Sunday, pretty disgusting, terrible win. Uh, the Eagles have lost three straight games going into it, so I want to take some solace in that win, enjoy it, savor it, because we don't know exactly when the Eagles' next win's going to come. They have two tough games coming up right now on the schedule. Uh, what's looming is Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Lincoln Financial Field. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we will know that the Eagles are going with their blackout uniform sets, because anything otherwise is a massive disappointment. I had tweeted last week that if the Eagles lost – and they did the black jerseys on Thursday Night Football, that's a panic move. But if they won and then did the black jerseys, that's an unbelievable momentum booster. Now, if they don't do it at all, I don't like it. I don't like it. They got to do it for the primetime games. How many home primetime games are they having? Just one this season. They had Monday Night Football. That was on the road, and that was week three. And I guess they have, you know, they have a bunch of divisional games on the back half of the schedule. But for all we know, the Eagles could be completely, completely out of the playoff picture by then. Let's get some energy, some juice going while we still can, right? Last week on the podcast, kind of crushed Sirianni. And for the entirety of the game, essentially, I felt vindicated in the way. Not that I I want him to succeed. I want him to be the next Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. And there are understandably some growing pains out there. But the early results have not been encouraging. The What will live in infamy is the, the screen pass attack that... Looks like Sirianni's playing Madden 06, and he's just saying, oh, well, the screen pass, let's do the jailbreak screen. Jailbreak screen, unstoppable play in Madden. That was the vibe I got for him, and I didn't like it. Jalen Hurts also, for about three quarters, looked nearly as bad as Sirianni. I think Sirianni is the Eagles' chief problem offensively. Jalen Hurts has been up and down, but Jalen Hurts is being asked to do a lot right now in terms of accumulating everything offensively because of the – Zero reliance in the slightest on the the running game. And I'm just like, what what is going on with this team? They still don't have an identity. I had talked about this a couple of different times on the podcast and the writing on the great bleeding is that the team doesn't have an identity in somehow, some way they went to Carolina. They beat a three and one team on the road, came back and won. And I might even have a less sense of what this team's identity is after just watching that victory, their second victory in five weeks today though. I don't know what their identity is. Maybe we find out Thursday. Maybe we, they, we find out they just get absolutely smashed, but they run a thousand screenplays. And we're like, this team is just a team that does screens. That That's their identity. They refuse to take shots down the field. They are this antiquated West Coast offense 
or something along those lines because I don't understand it at all. Uh, they're playing a system in the NFL that hasn't been played in, in, in a decade or so. I know the Minnesota Vikings do implement some of the traditional West Coast schemes. I'm talking about traditional in the sense of Bill Walsh to Holmgren to early Eagles Andy Reid. Not Andy Reid has those West Coast principles in his offense now. But if you're watching him play with Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, that certainly isn't what we think of a traditional classic West Coast offense. So the Eagles have their offensive struggles. And I think, again, Sirianni is to blame for most of those problems. Jalen hasn't been perfect. Obviously, up and down performance looked pretty horrendous for most of the game. It's Carolina had a couple clutch touchdown runs. Looked good when the Eagles were kind of clawing their way back, taking some more shots in the middle of field. The, the play that changed the entire trajectory of the game is that 53-yard pass to Quez Watkins. I did write an article for BGN this week. Definitely go check it out on the Bleeding Green Nation com website about how Quez should be more involved this year. And he's getting out-targeted by Jalen Rager currently. Uh, he did play more snaps than him in week five against Carolina, and we are going to get to that. But Quez leading, tied for the league lead with 20.5 yards per reception with Henry Ruggs III. Six-round pick compared to the guy who I believe was the 12th overall pick in that draft class in Ruggs with the Raiders. So I want to take a look at the skill position players. Haven't been a big Miles Sanders guy. And by the looks of it, the only person who might be less of a Miles Sanders guy than me is Nick Sirianni. We'll run through some stats for the running backs, receivers, tight ends. Miles Sanders has 48 rushes this year for 214 yards, zero touchdowns on 4.5 yards per attempt. Kenny Gainwell, fifth round rookie out of Memphis, has 21 carries for 100 yards and two touchdowns on 4.8 yards per carry. I'm of the mindset, especially when you look at the game management and football IQ that Sanders displayed or lack thereof at the end of the game against Carolina was embarrassing and he was right to be taken out of the game and have Gainwell go in there. Gainwell breaks a nice 12-yard run, stays in bounds, and the Eagles are able to clinch things after uh, they do a third and one. Jalen Hurts gets it. They take the kneel downs. They win. Give me Gainwell late. And honestly, give me Gainwell early, middle of the game, and late. Miles Sanders, I don't think he's necessarily a player you trade in the middle of the season. I did my mailbag. Someone before asked me, like, oh, should they trade Miles Sanders? I was like, he's still a talented player. The team just isn't really utilizing him at all. And maybe that says more about Sanders than fans and media members or quasi-media members like myself truly realize. But I'm left thinking that this is Miles Sanders last year in Philadelphia. And I think Kenny Gainwell is capable of being this team's running back number one in 2022, but not just that, the rest of the season. And right now, I think he should be getting the majority of the snaps because of his versatility as a receiver, and he's done pretty darn well running the ball, and we will get to those receiver numbers. So as we have for the running backs, again, the receiver numbers, we're going to incorporate wide receivers and tight ends into these numbers. Obviously, the Eagles have an offense that does feature tight ends more prominent than most teams out there because of Zach Ertz and Dallas Scott. So Devontae Smith, first-round pick, looking pretty dang good right now. I wish I could have said pretty effing good. We're not allowed to do that because that's what I wanted to say because I'm just over the moon about Devontae. He's the player coming into the season. You had some questions about Hurts. You had some questions about Sirianni, questions everywhere. But the one player that fans hoping to have something to connect to, a player that they will have as this connective tissue from now to the next great Eagles team, Smith feels like that player, and he's played like that so far. Smith has been targeting 39 times which is 14 more than the next Eagles player in the passing game, has 25 catches, 314 receiving yards on 12.6 yards 
per completion and a touchdown. I believe he is third among he's second among receivers, rookie receivers, or you can include tight ends there. I believe receiving yards behind Jalen, uh, not Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, and I believe uh, Kyle Pitts is third, and surprisingly, Kadarius Tony is fourth, and Jalen Waddle is somewhere in there. So, you know, Jamar Chase is balling out. He did go before Devontae Smith in the draft, so it's not like the situation where the Eagles picked the wrong guy, and I still think it's possible that Smith ends up being the better pro, but Chase is looking really good right now, and Cincinnati has to be happy with him just as much as the Eagles are happy with Devontae right now. Tied for a second on the team in targets is much maligned wide receiver Jalen Rager. Rager's been targeted 25 times with 17 catches, 140 yards on 8.2 yards per reception. I think those numbers are deflated, certainly because of the way he's been utilized as the screen player in Sirianni's strange, weird, screen-heavy offense. And he has a single touchdown there. Zach Ertz, tied with him, has 25 targets for 14 catches, 160 yards on 11.4 yards per reception and a touchdown. And we'll skip over some guys here because the next two guys on the list are Gainwell and Sanders. I'm going to talk about those together and I'm going to keep the receiver tight end combo going. So Goddard has 19 targets for 15 catches, 216 yards, 14.4 yards per reception and two touchdowns. We're obviously dealing with a really small sample size here. Ertz through five games only has six more more six more targets than Goddard has. So that's not a huge number. But when you're looking at the trajectory of the offense and just going on the eye test, it seems like Ertz is way more involved with this offense than Goddard is. And you think of this guy and Zach Ertz, who the team wanted to trade all offseason last offseason, had these contract issues keep bubbling up. He's a free agent after this year. And you would have thought that he's a little bit older. He's a little bit slower. His hands aren't as sure as they once were. He should be less of a focal point in the offense. And you're thinking Dallas Goddard contract year. He's younger. He should be entering his prime or his early prime. And this should be a monster season for him. And we just don't haven't seen that exactly yet. And it's it's strange because he's been out targeted. But Ertz has fewer snaps played this year than Goddard in every single week of the season. Week one, Goddard has 11 more snaps played. Week two, he has one more. Week three, he has four more. Week four, he has eight more. And this past weekend against Carolina, he had five more snaps than Ertz. So I don't really get that. Dallas, I know he has the two touchdown catches, and most important thing is catching touchdowns, right? Point of the game is a score. But let's get some more Dallas Goddard action, because I like the 11 personnel. Nick's done that way more than Doug Peterson did in his last year in Philadelphia. And... You know, I know Jalen Rager isn't anyone's favorite player right now. We're going to talk a little bit more about Quez Watkins, who should be the clear-cut number two wide receiver on this team. But let's get a little less Zacherts out there. A little more Dallas Goddard, a little more 11 personnel. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Watkins, who is the going to the season, this underrated figure who showcased a lot in training camp and those scrimmages and even in the preseason briefly. Watkins has been targeted 17 times. He has 13 catches for 267 yards on a whopping 20.5 yards reception, which I had said earlier is tied for the lead league lead with Henry Ruggs III out of Las Vegas, uh, though he still has zero touchdowns. He had you know the two most explosive plays of the year for the Eagles this season. He has that 53-yard catch against Carolina, and he will be infamously known for it. And it's not necessarily his fault. Uh, he has that 91-yard reception against the 49ers, and the Eagles failed to score in that drive. And I think that's more on Nick Sirianni than Quez Watkins. I know he got kind of chased down at the end, but he does have blazing speed. And it'd be hyperbole to say he's the best deep threat in the league, and I'm not saying that in the slightest, but he's continuing to be one of the better ones. And before we know it, by the end of the season, he could be one of the best, but certainly not the, the, the best. Oh, Greg Ward, who I don't even think should be on the field anymore. He's a, he's like a basketball. He's a power forward that goes out there just to set picks so guards can run off those screens and hit pull-up threes. You know, he has that penalty against – in the offensive pass interference situation uh, against Carolina this past Sunday, wipes out a uh, Devontae Smith touchdown. That just can't happen. That, that, that just can't happen. The Eagles have had – more touchdowns taken off the board through five games than anyone in the history of the sport at any level. I don't know if that's true, but it feels true to me. Greg Ward has been targeted three times as two catches for 30 yards. Obviously, we passed second grade math. That's 15 yards per reception. Actually, has two touchdowns, though. One came in kind of garbage time uh, earlier in the season against both the 49ers and then Dallas, I believe, right? Uh, so he should not. he shouldn't be playing. And if there's ever a situation where the Eagles are going to use 12 personnel, the red zone feels perfect like that because you could swing Goddard or Ertz out wide in the slot and have a kind of a pseudo 11 personnel there, even if it's not two tight ends lining up as inline blockers. And then we have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who doesn't even show up on the pro football reference box score for this season because he's played a bunch of snaps but has yet to be targeted. So J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, First team all cardio in the NFL. Congrats, Jay Jaw. Uh, maybe throw on 30 pounds this offseason, become a fullback or outside linebacker. I don't hate it. A, we criticize Jay Jaw a ton, and I, I'm right there. But he grinds. He's a special team player. He does well in special teams, I think. And he could just be a, you know, a loser and stop caring, but I don't really think that's what he's done. Obviously, he will go down as a massive, massive disappointment as a second-round pick, especially when you look at the receivers they passed over for him, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, so-and-so, and so-and-so. But at least he's trying. I like his energy, and you know he works as a blocker, and that's more than Greg Warden to a degree. Jalen Reger even does right now. I think he's had more of a positive impact, as weird as it might sound. And then we get to again, we're talking about this gain wall versus Sanders thing. Looking at the passing game, it's increasingly clear that that gain wall is the better target, and it almost feels telling when Miles Sanders is on the field that they're going to do some. RPO thing or play action and 
never really works for the Eagles. So you have Gainwell has been targeted more than Sanders 21 times, has 14 catches for 122 yards on 8.7 yards per reception, has no receiving touchdowns. Sanders has been targeted 19 times, has 16 catches for 111 yards on 6.9 yards per reception. Nice, but not nice. Zero touchdowns. Gainwell's got to be the guy to me. You know, been talking about this. I've been gassing him up all offseason. And it seems like a situation where Sanders is a holdover from the previous regime. I know it's the same front office that drives him. We talked about this, Zoe and I, on last week's Odds and End Zones. It's a heads up because of the weird week. We'll be recording Odds and End Zones Saturday morning, probably be in your ears. Sunday have a long shelf life with the 10-day break in between games. But uh, we didn't see a ton and ton of Gainwell on Sunday as much as I thought they would. And one thing that felt telling to me was that you started seeing Gainwell pop up as a prop bet option for rushing and receiving yards on your DraftKings, your FanDuels, that type of stuff. So it felt a little telling that if you're seeing him in there, he's going to be a greater focal point in the offense. He didn't use a ton of yards, but as I said earlier, that that play at the towards the end of the game where he rushes for 12 yards after Sanders has those two gaffes uh, is incredibly telling of who he is just five games into his pro career compared to Miles Sanders in his third season overall in the NFL. So I'm buying all the game mall stock. I'm sipping the Kool-Aid. I'm doing whatever. I like him at number 14, wearing the number 14 jersey. Obviously, I'll think of Doug Peterson forever with that. I have a Doug Peterson jersey. Uh, somehow, some way, I finally was able to acquire one in 2020. And then, obviously, he leaves right after the year. It feels like a, uh, a jinx that I may have been a part of, but it is what it is. But Gainwell, he should be RB1. And I firmly expect him to be the true RB1 with Miles Sanders not in Philadelphia come 2022. You have uh, Tampa Bay Tom coming to town on Thursday, and I really don't know what to expect. Uh, it's a situation, if you're looking at the schedule before the year, uh, similar to Kansas City where you're thinking, this game's a loss. It's a schedule loss. It's going to happen. Just go in there and enjoy yourself. And I did that against Kansas City. I had fun at the game, but I was still mad because the Eagles did have some chances to win, and they blew it. But we have to look at – and that was a game coming off a huge, huge, crushing, demoralizing loss against Dallas on Monday Night Football. They go down there and they get spanked. But the, the difference here is that what Tampa Bay is coming here. The Eagles are coming off a win, a season-saving win against Carolina, this improbable comeback that they pulled off from all three phases of the game, stepping up late special teams with that huge, huge punt block. And the Eagles have some juice now because they won that game. A little, I'm a little bit more energized as a fan because they came back and won that game. I'm going to the game this week. Haven't been to a primetime game in forever. Uh, I don't even know the last time I was at because uh, I don't know. Because I didn't go last year. The Eagles playoff game against Seattle, that was the last game I was there before this season. That wasn't a primetime game, so I don't even really know. So I'm, I'm going to be a little rocked up. Feel the electricity in the stadium. Hopefully they go for that blackout vibe. I'll be totally into that. Wearing, uh, I think I'm going to go. It depends on the weather. I'll either wear a black Dawkins or Westbrook jersey. Uh, if Again, if they do this. And if not, I have this shirt. I think it's from that Friday Beers Company, which I, I don't know about them overall, but they make shirts that say Almost Friday on it. It's a picture of Jalen Hurts wearing the Friday Night Lights jersey and the shattered backboard Air Jordan 1s and walking into the, the link. Uh, and it says almost Friday on it. And I think that is obviously what a great shirt to wear for Thursday Night Football when Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback, right? But 
I'm feeling a little more excited because the Eagles are coming off that win. And it'd be weird to convince myself this team is going to win because same as Kansas City, it'd be nice if the Eagles just covered. And the same way I wanted the offense to show some vivacity against Kansas City. And they did to a degree, but not to the degree I really wanted. Uh, I know Tampa Bay's defense is pretty tough compared to Kansas City. Kansas City's defense uh, might prevent them from even going that to not just the Super Bowl, but the AFC Championship game or making a deep playoff run at all. And Tampa Bay's defense is obviously a lot better than Kansas City's because of that. And, you know, even last year when they won the Super Bowl, they were one of the best in the league. And uh, for the Buccaneers, great linebacking core, talent all over the place. And are they going to win the game? No, but let's have some fun. You never know. Tom Brady, short week. The Eagles have done well. I know it's under Doug Peterson, so it's not exactly the same. Doug always did really, really well on those Thursday night games on the short weeks. It was kind of the inverse of way. Andy Reid always did really well coming off a bye. That was Doug Peterson's specialty. And we don't know what Nick Spears Sirianni's specialty is. Now, he might not have one at all, especially he might just be calling jailbreak screens like he's playing Madden. But we'll find out. And we'll find out a lot about this Eagles team on Thursday. Are they going to roll over and die? Is it going to be – they're going to get slaughtered like they were on Monday Night Football? Are they going to hang into it a degree like they did against Kansas City? Or are they going to pull off one of the most remarkable upset wins I've ever seen for the Eagles in a regular season? I doubt it, but if they do, man, I am going to be one cocky SOB on Sunday or Saturday morning. I'm recording odds and end zones with Zoe. Uh, I'm going to be on top of the world. I'm going to be rewatching the game Friday, cracking a couple cold ones, and just living off life right now, getting high off life. What more could you want from that? Kind of wraps up for me. Hopefully, we can have fun Thursday night. I want it to be a fun game. I don't want to be completely out of it immediately like they were Monday football against Dallas. So what I'm hoping for – oh, we have we have some news here about the Eagles. Oh, Dallas Goddard is on the COVID list. Well, I guess we won't have more Dallas Goddard in the offense now, will we? Well, I'm happy I figured this out before I actually finished the podcast because that would have been bad. I saw tweet notification came up on iMessage on my computer, and it said Philadelphia Eagles was the tweet. I'm like – Oh, are they announcing the black jerseys? Am I going to give some real amp speech about that? And no, Dallas Goddard on the COVID list. Zach Gertz, you were once part of a great, great offense that scored 41 points and dethroned Tom Brady. Tom Brady comes to Philadelphia with a thumb injury, hands been wrapped up in press conferences. Maybe he's, uh, you know, playing possum a little bit, but we'll see. But Zach Gertz, you know, be playing like it's a Super Bowl. Again, Super Bowl 52 like it's we're back in February 28th on Thursday night. Bring back those vibes because you're going to be out there. And I'm assuming Goddard won't be out there. And you're going to really step it up. And that that's a trickle-down effect for Jalen Rager because the Eagles are probably going to play more 11 personnel than they have been. And he needs to step it up. And Quez Watkins needs to be that deep threat. Jalen Hurts should, tra- should target him. First offensive play of this game. Just chuck it downfield. See how far you can throw it and see how fast. Quest can get down there and catch it. He needs to step up. Smith has done really, really well the last two weeks. Again, this is his second big primetime game on the national stage. This can be a true, true breakout to him for everyone, fans, media members across the National Football League, not just in Philadelphia. So we'll see. That's that's a – that ain't good. That ain't good. And I didn't want to necessarily end this podcast on a bad note, but that's the Philadelphia Eagles for you. It's it from me, Seamus Clancy. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Seamus underscore Clancy. Be sure to follow the – Bleeding Green Instagram at Bleeding Green Insta, and of course the Bleeding Green Twitter at Bleeding Green, and you see all my work on all those platforms. And if again, if you like the podcast, like my tweets, check out my 
subscription-based Philadelphia sports newsletter, patreon.com backslash shameless under Clancy. You get an email delivered to your inbox every Monday through Friday morning during the season, off-season, about all things Philly sports. So check that out. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we can somehow, somehow get a win on Thursday. I'm not counting on it, but I'm going to be strutting my stuff if they do. As always, keep bleeding green. I am haunted by you. P-G-N.